Buddhist geeks. Seriously Buddhist, seriously geeky. Episode 100, Psychotropics and Neurolinguistic Zen. Junpo Roshi, an American Zen master in the Rinzai Zen tradition, joins us to discuss his fascinating history with psychotropic drugs, including a form of LSD he helped create, and his approach toward koan practice that integrates key insights from neurolinguistic programming. This is part one of a two-part series. Buddhist Geeks is supported largely by the generosity of our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a one-time or a small recurring donation by visiting buddhadharma20.com slash donate. Hello, Buddhist geeks. Today we have a special, we have two interviews in one day, and our first guest actually on Sex, God, Rock and Roll last night, if uh, you know Stuart Davis, we actually interviewed him as well. So we had the privilege of uh, listening to an interview that Stu did, and now we have Junpo Roshi on with us today. Yeah, Junpo, thank you so much for joining us, taking the time to be here with us. We really appreciate it. My great pleasure. Yeah. And just a little background, Junpo Roshi is the abbot of the Hollowbone Zen Order, which I guess is based out of Wisconsin, but it sounds like he has communities all around the United States and maybe around the world, I'm not sure. We have a center in Massachusetts. We got a couple of small centers in Wisconsin here in Colorado. We're, we're small. Okay, cool. And a little bit of background on, on Jumpo Roshi's Zen practice. He originally started off with Suzuki Roshi out in California, I guess. In the mid-60s. He still mid-60s. spoke Japanese. The first time I met him, I went to a lecture and he did it all in Japanese. He was still with the, the head priest for the Japanese community mm-hmm. before the beats grabbed him. And, mm-hmm. and, so his uh, early days. Yeah, before his reincarnation into American Zen Master. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And then you spent a little bit of time at Zen Lake with Trungpa Rinpoche. Yeah, I um, sat Datun with him in 1976 mm-hmm. and studied with the Karmapa a little, but I mm-hmm. found uh, Tibetan Buddhism to be way too Baroque okay. for my taste. <laughs> gotcha. And then uh, discovered Ashtanga Yoga. Oh, okay. Went to India a couple of times, studied with Patabi, and you know got that thorough physical training down, but... You know, my main interest is in the meditative discipline, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the last phases of yoga or Buddhist training. Mm-hmm. And you ended up with Edo Shimano Roshi. From Zen Study Society in New York. And right. I trained at Daibosazu Monastery in New York. Okay. And you received transmission in the early 90s. Yeah, I was there for, like... I was in, I trained there for 16 years, but I was in head monk and then vice abbot for six years, uh, then received transmission in 92 and in 1993 decided to come out of institutional life back into the world for very specific reasons. Cool and we'll probably get into some of those as we go along but first I wanted to ask you some questions about entheogens a topic that we haven't really spoken about here on this program and which you have a lot of experience with. Well that was a previous reincarnation. A previous reincarnation yes. Maybe can one of us say something about what entheogens are? I find out that a lot of people don't know what that term means. Psychedelics. Psychedelics. Mescaline, psilocybin, ayahuasca, or in the, in the modern sense, lysergic acid, diethylamide. Okay. Right. So it was a recent discovery or development or manifestation. I like to make the statement, we manufactured, I manufactured, uh, my family did, LSD-25 for 10 years, the window pane and clear light. It was called clear light. And then when we changed its form so it couldn't be adulterated mm-hmm. and cast in sheets, these little... T- cut it in little tiny, tiny squares you could mm-hmm. look through. Uh, it was called windowpane. And uh, 
I make the argument that there was a need, and out of the need for us intersubjectively, we needed to awaken. And so man, the LSD was a manifestation or a response to that call in physical form. Gotcha. So especially in the 60s and 70s, there's this need that arose, like you're saying. Yeah, and it was enormous. Yeah. Uh, the, the distribution of LSD worldwide was in hundreds and hundreds of millions of doses. We, we didn't do that. We manufactured and distributed. It's a closed system. We were a family. It wasn't commercial. <laughs> and, but about 30 million hits, uh, doses over, over a 10-year period. Wow. Yeah, and we were tiny. <laughs> <laughs> so so let, let's get into, while you were helping create or produce, distribute LSD, were you, you were obviously using it, but were you also doing a spiritual practice at the time? Was there overlap between those two worlds for you? Yes. For me, the quest was the same. Okay. Right? Uh, the enormous pain and confusion philosophically and emotionally in my life drove me to Eastern thought and practice. I couldn't find any relief inside Western you know, philosophy, psychology, or spirituality. So I headed to the East and encountered Buddhism, which was enormously impressive, and I couldn't believe it. Here was a religion without a deity. So for me, Gautama was a philosophical pragmatist. Mm. He gave injunctions. And his teachings, you don't trust teachers, don't trust teachings, don't trust institutions. Do the practices and see what happens. Right. It was like suddenly it was, oh my, oh my God, <laughs> if there were one, <laughs> here's, here's something I can do. Right. So then I began and simultaneously I was investigating, you know, taking primarily pure LSD, which allowed me to experience non-dual states or deep samadhi states, right? Deeper states and qualities of mind. Mm -hmm. But then I didn't, still couldn't reference it or language it. Mm -hmm. And that gets later to this idea of, dialectic dialogue or koan practice mm -hmm. while you're in an altered state. Koan, mm -hmm. koan dialogue practice can take you into a deep spiritual state. Mm -hmm. But then while you're there, what we want to do is reformat. We want to get a different understanding of what's actually happening in the very nature of mind. Because our explanation of the nature of the psychology of mind is confused from a deep place of understanding. We're telling a story because of reaction to sensation and because of uh, cultural conditioning, parenting, you know, we pass on the myth of our, of our, our families. Mm. And that's just a bad idea. And while you're taking LSD, you'd mentioned that you'd have these intense states of non-duality or samadhi. And then you'd mentioned last night during your interview with Stuart that the ego would kind of restructure, resynthesize itself. Yeah, that was enormously disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I was wondering uh, along those lines... Was it spiritual practice that was able to resolve that paradox of getting into these altered states and then the ego kind of coming right back and then having to do it again and going through that process over and over? Well, what happened is because I couldn't resolve the issue by going into deep state using psychedelic or psychotropic, I decided that, okay, since the language was the same inside the Zen tradition and the Buddhist tradition saying that you can have these insights I said, well, okay, well, I need to go back and go through that process to see if that can resolve it. So I went back, went into the classical form, and the toughest one I could find is Rinzai Zen. Right. Samurai tradition, fierce, direct, confrontational. Mm -hmm. That's my cup of tea. Right. Okay? <laughs> so I came back into that one and then discovered that it still didn't accomplish the objective. It was good, but what it was doing was creating a, a hierarchical, patriarchal system of governance. Mm -hmm. right? It was the good dad 
so there was liberation within it, but the container that we went back into was still egocentric in a, in a very binding way. I see. For instance, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but like racism, sexism, imperialism are part of the, the autocratic Japanese culture. Right. So, okay, well, why would I want to do that? Well, many reasons, because it creates an incredible culture. I've trained in Japan, and there's just no comparison. Mm. Aesthetically speaking, Japan is like a whole other realm. Mm. But with it comes a, you know, certain problems for me, emotionally and philosophically, around how I would like to see things. That's because I'm a modern character. Right. So it's like, okay, so how do we deal with that? Right, so you found some limitations, it sounds like, in the, the Zen container. The training was good. The training is as good as it gets, right. but then the, the manifestation of that insight and compassion and realization has to be defined in our own cultural understanding and, and way of being. Cool. Right. We'll get into that more when we talk about your methodology, Mondo Zen. Before we go into that topic, I was wondering if I could ask you how you relate now to LSD and to psychotropic drugs as, as they're used for spiritual practice. Do you... I heard you say you don't recommend that anymore, but I'm wondering what your relationship to it is well, now. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, taking a psychedelic in the correct set and setting can be enormously beneficial. The problem is your ego deconstructs or disintegrates, and what you do is you lose your guideposts. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, that for most people is okay, but there are people that have a tendency to be manic mm-hmm. right? uh, or bordering towards psychotic. And we're in consensus about the way things are. And our ego has defined that. And that's a very thinly held veil. Right? And so when you disintegrate, you need to come back together again. So when you're playing with fire, you're playing with explosives. Mm-hmm. You can deal with explosives. But realize when you're dealing with explosives, you can get blown up. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's up to an individual. How desperate are you? Are you willing to use psychedelics in a deep religious context rather than sensationalism because most of the LSD use unfortunately was sensationalism Mm -hmm. because what happens is suddenly your senses are pure and free and not conditioned Mm -hmm. so everything tastes a lot better right so this is like oh oh my god oh you know so and it's like okay let's do that again do that again and then well why and what does that mean Mm -hmm. so it's to get it in a context and a meaning so if you're going to use hallucinogenics, you have to be very, very careful, very specific, have the correct support and understanding, and be stable enough to do it. There have been casualties. Mm. So there's a lot of dangers, of course, when you walk down that path. I wonder what you think about uh, Ken's statement, Ken Wilber saying that using psychedelics in conjunction with spiritual practice can potentially speed up your process or enhance it somehow. Do you think that's true? If everything is going okay and you don't... I can only speak personally. For me, it was not only true, it was absolutely necessary. Mm. But that's for me. It could differ from person to person. Yeah, I couldn't sit here. You know, my particular view and what I'd say, the the insight, and then now the integration of that, for me, would not have been possible without that. Mm. So you've helped develop or have developed a kind of new Zen methodology, which you call Mondo Zen. Well, it's actually old methodology just thrown into a new package. Zen, in the Rinzai Zen school, what we have is a koan, right? And koans are enigmatic questions, mm. it seems. Like, what was your original face before your mother was born? What's the sound of one hand clapping? Mm-hmm. 
These are actually very simple questions. If you're awake enough to hear the question, mm. I'll give you the answer. What was your original face before your mother was born? The question is, what is your original mind before thought or feeling as a separate sense reference develops? Mm. You know, so the question is asked in sort of a poetic, enigmatic way to make you go inside to solve that dilemma. And just giving the answer right now to you isn't solving the dilemma. You have to have the insight. You have to have the, have the experience. So what I've, all I've done is taken, and Mondo was uh, public Dharma combat between a student and a teacher okay. right, in a public forum. And we do these public Mondos, but there's also individual interview. Mm -hmm. And what I've done, instead of doing one koan and struggling and answering it, coming back, getting another koan, struggling and answer it, what I do is I sit down and go through an hour and a half to two hour process where I would ask a series of koans. Mm -hmm. And each time you answer, we take the koan apart and mm. you take a look at it, get the meaning and the understanding. So the first thing we do is we deconstruct the ego neurolinguistically. Mm -hmm. You insist that you're sitting over there. Right. You insist that you're this way. Bullshit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we just keep cutting away, cutting away. So if I asked you, who are you? What might you say? I'm Vince. Yeah. So you gave me your name. What I hear as a koan teacher, this guy thinks he's his name. Right. He's given a name. He thinks he's a thought. Mm -hmm. right? now, or, or you might say, universal love. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. So you get two answers. You right. get what somebody thinks or what they feel. And what we want is an expression of the purity of mind in which the thought or the feeling arises. Mm -hmm. This would be a non-dual state. This would be an insight experience of that depth of purity of mind. So we cut away the words and the language until you start grinning. Mm -hmm. And then we, we say, okay, what's that grin about? Mm -hmm. And then grin is caused by insight. And we call that samadhi mm -hmm. or unreasonable enjoyment or insight. Mm -hmm. Insight causes. But that's only the beginning. And that takes an hour, hour and a half to go through. And then we say, well, okay, meditation, why bother? Right? At that so, point. Yeah. At that point. But first of all, we've got to get you deconstructed and get you into agreement. And you also take a seat. You command the language. You then agree that it's possible for you to, to hold that space. So you've created a new neurolinguistic and you have the experience of it mm -hmm. reflected back and forth and back and forth and back and forth because the experience itself has to be impressionable. In Zen training, we'll use uh, a lot of force sometimes, like, wake up! Mm -hmm. It's like really intense, and that's to impress, right? Because you're, you have your ego insistence as a neurolinguistic, a whole stack of neurons existing as memory, right? Mm -hmm. That you have to impress, you have to cut through that. And, right? So we get the language established, then we come back and say, now from here, take a look at your emotional body, because your problem is your emotional body, not your philosophical body. You're driven, your behaviors through your feelings. So, for instance, is from this depth of mind and understanding, is anger a feeling or is it a violent intervention? What are you really feeling? So if you drop into deep, pure mind and take a look, mm. you're not feeling angry. You're acting anger. You're feeling fear. Mm. Interesting. Well, suppose you knew that you were feeling fear instead of feeling anger. And suppose you were so still and deep and silent that you could drop down underneath 
and feel that you were feeling sadness and grief as well. Suppose you dropped all the way down and can feel the genuine concern that's causing the fear. Mm -hmm. So what anger actually is, is intense clarity and deep caring. And we could say even deeper, well, deep caring is actually compassion. So I care enough to kill you. Well, isn't that an interesting oxymoron? Mm -hmm. So, well, what if you just felt the deep caring? So this is meditation, why bother? So it's like, okay, and then what is, what is the injunction that allows you to see this in your life? Mm-hmm. So Manda Zen takes you apart, deconstructs you, reforms you, gives you a new relationship to the feeling if you choose it, and then you pick an injunction in your life where fear or anger. So anger means intense presence and deep caring. Fear means excitement and opportunity. So that's a reframe. Mm-hmm. But based on the experience of them, you have to have the experience of that from an insight level. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just another book on the damn coffee table. Right? We've all read a thousand of them. We can write them. Right? I'm supposed to write books now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know much about NLP, but one of my friends was saying that's a kind of, uh, in NLP language, pacing and leading. Yeah. You uh, kind of get the person in the state and then find some way to anchor it into the into the life into the real world and then in the real world what happens is you now have a place in your life and you prepare yourself let's say you're in a relationship uh that's troubled father mother wife children work and you just keep uh, i say doing cranial rectal inversion (laughs) something comes up and you stupidly react and respond it's like oh how did i do that or how cute so you recognize it so you prepare yourself and you go and when they push the button, something mm-hmm. else happens, right? You mm-hmm. get the feeling, the care, the intensity, and then you go go to a response. You do an awareness intervention, and that's where the meditation practice comes in as training. You're training yourself to be absolutely present and do not move, do not blink, do not turn away. So you develop that capacity to stay absolutely present, and then you have a, you have a reformation of your philosophical body and your neurolinguistic. So when something happens, now you're responding different. So mm-hmm. you actually visualize that, and then you go to it again and again. So it sounds like, you're, in a sense, you're kind of reprogramming. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because that's all you are. If you were to regress right now, psychotherapeutically, and we took you back, 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 you'd get to the point where language left. You can't talk to me. You can look at me. Mm-hmm. But there's still, I'm over there. Well, if you keep going back, it all disintegrates. Mm-hmm. And what's left is, what we say in, in Buddhist terms, shunyata, or fundamental emptiness, absolute purity and emptiness. So everything is a figment of divine imagination from that point forward. So once you grok that, then it's like, well, it's a technical problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, had I, see. A, I had a real bad script writer. <laughs> right, right. So in that sense, it sounds like there's a distinction then between seeing the program, in a sense, stepping out of the program into shunyata, and then reprogramming the the script to whatever degree yeah. is possible. So, for instance, mm-hmm. after this process, if it works, then in the end, I say, okay, now, who are you? Right. Right. And now, you, you, at first, you said, Vince. I'm, I'm Vince, <laughs> or I'm my feelings, or, you know, I'm this, I'm a seeker. Right. right? And I love W.C. Fields. Didn't he say, never give a seeker an even break? He said, never give a sucker an even break. But <laughs> <laughs> you guys are way too young. You geeks. <laughs> yeah, I think... Queer after that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I would say, okay, Vince, no, who are you? So now you're silent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you might say something like uh, purity, but that 
now that signifier, that word purity is speaking from there. It's like, whoa. Because the signifier now presents the state. It used to be, who are you, Vince? Who are you, Vince? Well, that's cool. Who are you? Purity. Whoa. Different place to live. So what I, I say is so the default position now is vast and open. We get into, in this dialogue process, I won't, we, we have you describe what it's like mm. to be at this depth of mind. Mm-hmm. And any descriptors that you use that talk about relative formations, we cut away. Mm-hmm. So it's vast, silent, empty, timeless, pure. And then we'd say something like fearless, add a little color to it. But they're all state describers mm. of where you abide. And so then if you buy their neurolinguistically in your life, you always have your place of refuge because it's at the very core of your being and now you're aligned. Your language has to be aligned with your belief and your experience. And this is where the problems in other systems, you know, come into being because again, it's identification with who I am, you know, self-righteous, autocratic rule, like religious traditions. In the Buddhist tradition, we have precepts as guides you want to get to the point where this is your behavior automatically. Mm-hmm. If you go deep enough into stillness and touch the pure, true compassion that's driving everything, then the reformation is possible. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, Abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and Pragmatic Dharma Provocateur Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com slash conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.